May 3rd, 2023, where Masechet two lines from the top. Says the Gemara, Iba'ayalehu, two words before the end of the line. Kazait Ehad Lechulan, Odilma, Kazait Lechulehad Vehad. The statement of Rabbi Abba was that Eruvet Havshilin needs to be Beshi'ur Kazait. The question in turn is a Kazait for each individual who's going to be benefiting from the Eruv Tavshilin, or just the measurement with regards to the Eruv Tavshilin itself, under all circumstances, needs to be a Kazait. So we began the proofs yesterday, says the Gemara Tashema, the Amar Biaba Amarav, the statement explicitly of Rav is that the kazayit that we refer to is not for each individual, each member of the household, or every family that's going to benefit from this. It's rather one kazayit for the Eruv Tavshilin suffices. That's the minimal and absolute measurement for Eruv Tavshilin. Tosafot on the right hand side just points out if you just take a look at the last line of Tosafot, that's about uh, 10 lines from the top. Just the last few words over there. It says, Ela kazait lekolmin vamin. Min means species. What Tosafot is ostensibly referring to is, Tosafot's personal opinion is that when it comes to Eruvet Tavshilin, much as we practice based on Shohan Aruch Lechatechila, is to take not only a cooked item, but a baked item as well. In turn, says Tosafot, it's not that together they measure a kazait. It should be a kazait of bread, let's say, and a kazait of a cooked item, an egg, let's say. In other words, what Tosafot is adding to the Gemara in their explanation, just a few words, is that when we refer to the kazait, it's not all together. We don't consider this just one eruv tafshilin. It's rather kazait is, so to speak, the minimal measurement in order to give a hashivut, an importance, a significance to the food that's being used. So that goes both with regards to the baked item, should be a kazait, as well as to the cooked item, in, in addition, should be a kazait. Says the Gemara, but I have a challenge to this from our Mishnah, Tenan, in our Mishnah, we learned the following, Achalo Oshe Avad, if the Eruv Tavshilin over the course of Yom Tov, prior to the entrance of Shabbat, was either eaten by one of the family members, maybe by you yourself, uh, because you forgot, Oshe Avad, or the Eruv Tavshilin was lost, Lo Yevashel Alav Batechila, you can't, based on a lost or um, already eaten Eruv Tavshilin, now cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat. It's too late if you don't have it. You lost this opportunity, but I did it before Yom Tov. But the fact that I don't have it on Yom Tov means I can't continue that cooking. However, explained our Mishnah, if there was anything, it sounds like, left over, you're allowed to use that anything left over as my Eruv Tafshilin in order to continue cooking for Shabbat on Yom Tov. But wait a second. Listen, listen to the word. Listen to the word. Kol shehu. Kol shehu means even a little bit. You told me just a moment ago there needs to be a kazait. Your question was for each individual or for the whole house. <laughs> Over here it says you don't even need a kazait. Over here it says kol shehu is sufficient. We're going all the way back to the Bi'aba, who stated unequivocally, clearly, needs to be a kazait. Well, the Mishnah tells us it doesn't need to be a kazait. My, my kol shehu, what are the words kol shehu, even if there's just a little bit left over? And any amount left over, love. Are we not arguing even if there isn't a kazait? Forget about for every family member. You don't even need a kazait in, uh, in, in one place. Lo, says the Gemara, no, that's not the interpretation of our Mishnah. The it be kazait, there indeed is a kazait. Why do we refer to it as a kol shehu? Kol shehu means when I compare it to what it was initially. It was a full cooked item, it was a full loaf of bread. 
whatever's left over is a kazayit, but compared to a full loaf of bread, you look at a kazayit, you say, ah, just a little bit's left over. It's what the Mishnah, when it says kol shehu, doesn't mean there's actually less than a kazayit. What it does mean is compared to the initial item, there's just a little bit remaining. It's reminiscent briefly in this context when we talk about the word kol shehu in general. Does kol shehu always mean really any amount? Or does kol shehu sometimes have a certain explanation, have a certain quantification of a measurement? The The example that's given is on Pesach, exactly where I'm going. On Pesach, the question historically, less an issue today based on several uh, realities, but historically in Israel, the Kineret, where they drew in certain parts, parts of the land, the water over the course of whenever you run water was taken from the Kineret. What if, what if over the course of Pesach, someone goes to the Kineret with hametz in their hand and drops a crumb, just a crumb into the Kineret? Now the halakha is that hametz, afiluk bekol shehu lo batel. Hametz, even if just a little amount is there, there's no bitul. Would that mean as a result, nobody can drink water in all of the land of Israel unless you drew it before, unless you had it separated. There, are, there were and are several arguments for explaining why that wouldn't be the case. One of them is, and it's an ironic statement, that even a kol shehu, even when we say a something, or in anything, and anything still has a shi'or. What sort of shi'or? Okay, we need to quantify, but a crumb in the kineret would not be significant in the scheme of things, even for hametz on Pesach. I mentioned this by, by means of association in our Gemara, where we're saying the word kol shehu shouldn't be taken as literally as we perhaps would have wanted to. Why is it not Because the suggestion is the same way if you lost the whole thing, you don't say, well, I had it originally. So too, if I lost the majority of it, all I have is less than a kazai left. You can't use that. You need, quote, eruv tafshilin left over. If it's less than a kazai, it's not eruv tafshilin. I understand what the Mishnah is, the Gemara is not answering the Mishnah as you. In other words, your suggestion is the Mishnah, the reason if it's shi'er mimenu kol it's sufficient. So I started with more than a kazayit. That's true. What about if I started with more than a kazayit and I have nothing left over? Well, it's not sufficient. In other words, I gotcha. 100% is what the Mishnah is saying. Well, how do you distinguish? You're saying, because I started with something. But if the point is, when I'm cooking now on Yom Tov, it's because it's a continuation of my significant meal that I had, I need to either have my significant meal, which is a kazayit, or I don't have it, which is less than a kazayit. The Gemara can't find that in between, as you're suggesting, because logically speaking, it's difficult to, to distinguish. Yes? Did you say that if you had some left that you could actually cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat? That's what our Mishnah tells us. But normally you can't cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat. Everything we're talking about is Eruv Tavshilin, which is cooking from Yom Tov for Shabbat. Oh, from Yom Tov. That's what we're talking about. That's I, I thought it was from before Yom Tov. You made the Eruv Tavshilin before Yom Tov. Right. And now on Yom Tov, you're cooking for Shabbat. That gives the okay to that's, that's, every, that's our topic throughout. Says the Gemara Tashema. What about the following statement? Mind aid us. It's a Beraita. It's a Tosefta. In maybe addressing issues relevant to what we've been discussing. Tavshil Zeh. At the same time, we'll get introduced some, to some new concept. This tavshil, of course, a reference to the eruv tavshilin, the tavshil, the cooked item, it can be produced in the following ways. Sali, it can be produced in a way in which you roast the uh, cooked item. Va'afilu kavush, even if it's kavush, lichbosh literally means to push. In our context, Rashi explains it means it's pickled. 
Kavush behomet, you used vinegar, or behardal, or you used uh, mustard, yerakot, or other vegetables. In other words, the way that you cooked the item was by pickling it. You put it in a jar, you put it in some closed area with these other items in order to bring about a different type of cooking process. Now, generally speaking, in the halachot of Shabbat, and the halachot of Basab, we question the Gemara addresses, and we have a principle known as kavush, harehu kemevushal. Kavush has a status almost as if it's mivushal, almost as if it's cooking. Does that mean you're liable for death on Shabbat if you did kavush? No, we hold it's midrabanan kemivushal. But over here, even if it's kavush, even if you brought forth this food in a kavush fashion, that's sufficient with regards to considering it uh, a tavshil. Shaluk and mivushal. What's the difference between the word shaluk and mivushal? Shaluk, Rashi explains, is mivushal harbeh. It's very much cooked. Hard to quantify measurement levels, but I'm sure the cooks amongst us can. And mivushal means it's cooked. The, the common denominator is it needs to be cooked. It can't be undercooked when it comes to... Maybe, but mevushal, it's a lozo afzo. You have each one of these and you come to the most simple one. You come to the most simple one, which is just the mevushal. Lastly, says this beraita for our purposes at the moment, vikulyas ha'ispanin shenatan alav hamin me'erev yom tov. And lastly, for our initial purposes, which won't be the point in our Gemara, but we'll need to pause and reflect, is a kulyas ha'ispanin. Rashi explains, fourth line from the top, dagmaliahu, virach. What we're dealing with is a, a type of salted fish, which is softened and in turn can be eaten even without a regular cooking process. However, you additionally put hot water over it once it was already salted, and that in turn is considered its bishul to permit it for eruv tafshilin. Okay, so let's pause for a second and take into stock the things that we did see and the things that we didn't see. We saw pickled and we saw roasted and we saw additionally cooked and fully cooked and we saw lastly something that's salted and hot water was put over it. What the post- This is the first time we saw any of these. Any of these determinations. Uh, now, the, the question is with regards to something which is just salted, uh, the way Mishnah Biran, Hacham Sevi before him and others addressed this, was what about herring? Herring apparently was or is produced just through salting. In other words, the fish is prepared without any hot water, without any heat or external heat source, it's just through salt. Now, in general, I mentioned to you the laws of Shabbat and even a little bit by Basar Bahalav, we have two principles, Kavush Harehu Kimavushal, and also Maliach, if it's salted, Harehu Kiroteach. It's a little bit lower in terms of the way we quantify it as cooked. It's Roteach, it's as if it's scorched, as if it's heated up, is Maliach and only Maliach, not our Kulyas Ha'ispanin in the Gemara, where you then put hot water over it. Is that sufficient? The poskim debated this at great length, and lemaskana we assume that that should not be used, at the very least lechatechila, some would argue even bidi'avad, the fact that it's left off of our list over here, the fact that we did bring up a type of fish that is salted, but then explicitly the type of salting, that process that you have, is you then spill hot water over it, or you then immerse it in hot water, that would be sufficient 
Anything else would not. And as a result, if it's something that doesn't undergo a process which has some external heat force, we saw this a little bit on Daftet Zayin Amud Aleph as well, when we were talking about the Bishul of a non-Jew who then cooked it, right? It was maliach and then cooked the fish. It was salted and then cooked. We never and at no point explicitly or even implicitly said in the Gemara that if something is just salted, that's sufficient for Eruv Tafshilin. And as a result, we're posek lechumra on this. But now, the most important part for our sugya are the next words. Tehilato v'sofo en lo shi'ur. Both in the initial stages of preparing the Eruv Tafshilim and in the final stages when someone may have already eaten from it on Yom Tov, what's the measurement? In Lo there is no measurement. There's no measurement. What are you talking about, Rabbi Abba? At the very top of the page, we started the class with it. Rabbi Abba told us that Eruv Tafshilim needs to be Kazait. We question for every individual, for just one, but ultimately speaking, the words over here in this Biraita, in this Tosefta, are explicit. In lo shi'ur, says the game. Go ahead. Tehilato means the initial cooking. Sofo means even after it was cooked and I ate from it on Yom Tov, what's left over? That's what it seems to say. In lo shi'ur. Again, we're arguing that's the Jeffrey argument. We're arguing there's no distinction. Again, once I ate from it on Yom Tov, if there's no kazai left over, I can't now cook with this because I don't have an Eruv Tafchilin left. We then consider it if the measurement, if the only way I imagine this is an Eruv Tafchilin is with a kazayit. So even though I prepared it that way, if I then ate on the holiday from it and there's less than a kazayit left, I don't have an Eruv Tafchilin. It's just like I lost it. How could, well, we explained our Mishnah didn't actually mean kol shu. You're going to get around this one? En lo shi'ur? En lo shi'ur sounds like it has no measurement. My love, en lo shi'ur kilal. Doesn't this imply, doesn't this strongly suggest there is no shi'ur, there's no measurement? No, oh, come on, you don't know that we can, we can manipulate words and the rabbis meant something altogether different. As Rashi explains, the reference over here is there's no maximum size. When the statement in the Beraitai is that you, that's right, that it doesn't have a measurement, that doesn't mean it doesn't have a bottom measurement. The bottom measurement is kazayit. Why do they assume we know that? Because kazait is the standard eating size. The Gemara in Sukkah tells us that. Shi'ur achila is kazait. It has to be a kazait. We're talking about maximum size. There's no shi'ur. You could get it as big as you want. Pause for a second. Why would you have thought differently? Why can't I? I would have thought if I made uh, 10 vats uh, full of, of cooked items, it can't be an ayruv tafshilin. That's right. You perhaps would have thought that if you make such a large and exorbitant amount, people are going to say to you, that's not a Shabbat preparation. That's some sort of mass production. I don't know what you're doing. That's not just a Shabbat meal. The statement in turn... One second. The statement in turn is, you can make it as big as you want and nonetheless designate it as Eruv Tafshilin. You only need one cooked item. As long as you have, as, as, as long, you're following Betilel, as long as you have Kazai remaining, <coughs> it's sufficient. Okay, that's what the Gemara. Lemata means it has a minimal size, which is a Kazai. Yesh lo shi'ur lemata. We have a minimal size, which is kazai, standard shi'ur achila. 
We have no maximum size. Again, why would you have thought we might have a maximum size? After all, this needs to be a quasi-meal. We need to look at this and the very least say, oh, there's a heke. This isn't just what's being stored. This isn't just some sort of, uh, I don't know what Ma was doing for the holiday. She just went all out. Uh, instead, we say there is no maximum size. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, alternatively, uh, I like it very much. Nathan suggests that the shi'ur lima'ala, you may have believed that since you made such a large size, the reason there's no hekir, that this was just the beginning of my meals, uh, look how much you made. Uh, you're prepared already for Shabbat. The fact that you made such a large amount before Yom Tov, maybe it won't permit me to now cook for Shabbat because I already cooked the whole meal. This is not the beginning, this was the whole meal. Oh, very nice. Kazayit is always my minimal size with regards to eating. Right, that's what we're struggling with. Why would you think over here you can't go more? So there has to be some sevara, there has to be some logic why they needed to tell me you, can't, you could go as high as you want. So one suggestion is if you went really big, it doesn't look like a meal any longer. Alternatively, Nathan's suggesting if you went so big, it looks like you finished your meal. Do you follow? In other words, I don't understand You would have said, as a as a person who's just analyzing, is listening to the for the first time, Eruv Tavshilim, and said, "Oh, it's got to be the size." It also doesn't say anything. It says en lo shiur. It never says minimum of kazayit. We're injecting there is a minimum of kazayit when it says en lo shiur. We mean maximum size. Says the Gemara, Amarav Huna Amarav Eruve Tavshilin Sirichin Daat. Period. When you when you leave your Eruv Tavshilin, when you place, when you do your Hanahat Eruv Tavshilin, there needs to be that there needs to be a purposeful mindset that this is my Eruv Tafshilin. Let me repeat again. When you place and you set aside, indeed, your Eruv Tafshilin, that needs to be your mindset. People made a mistake yesterday of asking and, and thinking that when you bake or when you cook, you have to have such a mindset. No such thing. We're talking about Hanahat Eruv Tafshilin. Maybe, I, maybe I, I threw you off by saying prepare. Prepare, what I mean is when you take the items and you say, this is Eruv Tafshilin. That's called the Da'at. The cooking beforehand, let whoever wants cook it with whatever mindset coming from whenever, wherever, uh, that of course kosher, but you don't need da'at then. Says the Gemara, what da'at is necessary? Peshita, the following is simple. Da'at maniyah ba'inan. The person who's leaving, who's preparing and setting aside the iruk tafshilin, needs to have da'at, needs to have a mindset for themselves that they will use this iruk tafshilin as a way of permitting cooking on the holiday for Shabbat. That you're using the iruk tafshilin in order to cook for Shabbat. Like every. I imagine. I imagine, but I could be wrong, that you're doing the Eruv Tafshili, not the making, the placing, not the cooking and baking. I don't care what your wife thinks when she makes it. Oh, okay, she does it. When she places it and makes the Birachas, that's who's doing it, she needs to know what she's doing. We, for all intents and purposes, by saying those words, make it clear we know what we're doing. 
The point is there can't just be food there. And say, oh, that was made out of Tashem. And so a purposeful like placement. So really, you could make, you don't have to go crazy. Whatever you make it, you don't have to just take a little bit on the side. That is 100% correct. To a certain extent, that's what we talked about already with the Shuleha Kedirav Adashim. That's what we talked about, the Shamnunita on the Sakin. In those circumstances, it was being prepared already for Yom Tov. I just pulled it off. The reason we take something separate altogether is we're saying, listen, this is actually preparation for Shabbat. That's not ideal. We'd rather make this more ideal that we have food that was specified for Shabbat. But indeed, if I took it from my Yom Tov meal, set it aside and said, but this will be for Shabbat, that's sufficient. Says the Gemara, There needs to be mindset for the person himself who's setting the, or herself, I'm sorry, Jesse and, uh, and Barbara, the, who's setting the Eruv Tafshilin. Uh, what about the mindset? Does it need to be for everyone? Need. Anan means us. Uh, so do we need the mindset as we place it for every person who's going to be benefiting? Or is it specifically sufficient? Uh, I have mindset for myself. It's the safik of the Gemara. Well, maybe you have to have in mind that anyone who's coming uh, has to have, says the Gemara, Tashema, we can learn from the following three uh, occurrences of what rabbis used to do. De'avuhad Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, me'arev akula What the father of Shmuel would do is when he would make his eruv tafshilin, he would set it for the entirety of the city. Uh, we don't have uh, a proof per se yet. Rabbi Amen and Rabbi Aseh, they would make an Iruv Tafshilin in the place where they dwelled for the entirety of Teveria. Well, that's an amazing thing, which means to say, uh, in those circumstances, they're leaving the Iruv Tafshilin for everyone. Did everyone else have in mind that they're going to be uh, enjoying it per se? No, quite, quite the opposite. That's right. Everyone is just able to take advantage of the fact that I left this Iruv Tafshilin for them. Machriz Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi. Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi would make a hachraza. He would make a, uh, a, a, uh, an announcement for everyone at the onset of the holiday. Anyone who didn't leave their eruve tafshilin. Can come and be dependent upon mine. On Yom Tov. On Yom Tov. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I can't say before the holiday anyone who didn't leave can be so mech on mine. They could leave right now. I'm on the holiday. I realize I left my Eruv Tafshilin. Now, effectively, in each of these cases, what the Gemara is explaining to us is that although the people were not consulted with by me, Although the people didn't in turn have in mindset to be somech on my eruv tafshilin, although my general mindset was everyone, that's sufficient. As long as there's da'at maniach, the person who set the eruv tafshilin, that's sufficient. The fact that everyone else didn't have the mindset as well. That's right. Well, over there, Nathan's referring to mitzvot where we're doing shomea ka'onet. You are tapping into my, my words as if you're saying. That's right. 
you can go further though, in the opposite direction. Almost always we have a principle, Zachin Adam Shelo Bifanav. If I uh, see something and I say, mm, you know something, I know Nathan Chalen would love this. I can acquire it for him without his knowledge and it belongs to him. I can't now benefit because I did it for him. Zachin Adam Shelo Bifanav. That's the principle. I see something, an opportunity for you, and I do it for you. How come we don't say that simply over here? I mean, ultimately speaking, the Gemara is concluding the fact that I did it with you in mind, even though you didn't have it in mind. It is. So why didn't the Gemara believe that that could be okay? What seems to be the reality, some of the Mefarshim of the Gemara say, is that the whole purpose of Eruv Tafshilin, let's repeat again, is that the person have the beginning of a meal, that the person be setting aside food for Shabbat. As a result, it would stand to reason, possibly, that the rabbis would state, I can only make it sufficient for you if you know that I'm doing it. The whole thing is about the Hidush. The Hidush. One second. The Hidush of the Gemara, Eli, is that you don't. The Hidush of the Gemara is that although you would have believed that you would need to know, over here you don't need to know. That's. Yes. That's what the Gemara is saying. We had a safik. Does every person need to have the mindset with regards to Eruv Tavshilin or just the person who places it from these three stories where the rabbi left it and had in mind everyone who didn't have it in mind, we see clearly it's not so. Somech alav, I use that as the beginning of my meal. Not that I need to eat from that. Do you ever need to partake in the Eruv Tavshilin? The Eruv Tavshilin... That's right, but I didn't per se eat from it. I set it as a designation, the beginning of my meal. That's sufficient. Well, it's not so, it's not so simple. It goes like this. Rosh, Rosh, the Gemara will say it's only within Tehum. The Gemara will say in just a moment. But furthermore, the way, you should just know, I do do this for each and every one of you. Um, the way it needs to work, however, as Rosh and Shohan Aruch in turn say, is a person, the Gemara leaves out this detail, a person doesn't just leave it and say it's for everyone, basing itself on a Gemara, Masechet Eruvin, you need to be makne al aher. you need another person, since I'm doing it, but I'm doing it on behalf of everyone else, I need someone, quote unquote, who's from everyone else, to kind of partake in this. So ideally you take it from someone who's not far, part of the family, not the wife and not the child. Unideally you could get the wife or the child, but I always get a neighbor to come over. That's, we're gonna read that in the Gemara and, and, and in the ensuing, in the ensuing lines. But the way it's done is, as the person, as the rabbi, as the individual is doing it for everyone else, there's another person who picks it up and says, I am acquiring this on behalf of everyone. But ultimately speaking, the Gemara then has resolved this question. The question is, does every person need to have the mindset? The answer is no, only the person who's maniach. Says the Gemara, ve'ad kama, just one second, just, just one second, just one second. Ve'ad kama, says the Gemara, until what extent could and is the mindset of the person who leaves the Eruv Tavshilin. Can I do it for the whole world? The mindset of the individual who's leaving it would and could extend only within the city, the dwelling area, and then the 2,000 amah, the 3,000 feet outside of the city. We wouldn't extend the leaving of the Eruv Tavshilin, of the rabbi, of the individual, to beyond that. We say they're taking care of the people, they're 
kin, the people who are closest to them. It goes ad to Shabbat. Baruch Adonai Amen. Ve